Well, hi, everybody. I'm Rick Dancer, and this is Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we're going to get real, uh, just a real conversation. I'm really excited about this because uh, a guy contacted me the other day. His name's Rob Crater. Um, I met Rob at a little outside bar in Victor, Idaho, a couple of years ago, sitting under the Grand Tetons, listening to these guys, uh, this guy sing um, the entertainment was there they had a band there or a guy and uh, i know there's a couple guys yeah it was a little band and um and then all of a sudden um they kind of stopped playing and kathy and i were sitting there and rob is sitting in a a, at a table there uh, right nearby and all of a sudden they start playing and so you can tell this guy's like a you a regular he's been there before and he starts singing this old black spiritual and so I, you know how I am. <laughs> I just grabbed my phone and ran over. I just had a, an inclination. This was going to be good. So I ran over there. I started videotaping it and it was amazing. And then I had a conversation with Rob. I put it online and you folks just went wild over it. I mean, people loved it. And so then a couple of days ago, I got an email from Rob and he says, Rick, do you remember me? I'm the guy that that black guy who was singing in Victor, Idaho. And I see that your, your video's got millions of views on that, on it. And so that, that just, I, he was so intriguing at the time. I thought I'm going to have him on the show and we're just going to have a conversation. So you just are going to benefit from a really interesting conversation tonight. And this is brought to you by Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, where they're helping families build generational wealth through financing real estate. And Greg Hinkle's our man. He loves what we do. He loves the subject matter. He just likes us to talk, which is why he's one of our sponsors. But he wants to remind you that the spring is here almost, uh, even here in Montana, we're getting closer, and the housing market will heat up. If you are not pre-approved, no seller is going to look at you. So you need to get pre-approved, and you can contact him. And I can't put his number in there, but it's 406 Three eight nine four 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 one. So again, four zero six three eight nine four 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 one. When we pre-record like this, I can't put anything in the comment section, um, and it makes it tough. So that, that's just kind of one of the things that happens when you're in the industry. Our other sponsor tonight, uh, Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Uh, they're also a denture center now. Everyone's welcome. Michael's a huge believer in freedom of speech. He's a huge believer in every voice matters, and uh, he's very outspoken about that. Um, our other sponsor for tonight, Albert Taylor. Albert Taylor is a great organization that takes care of people with different abilities. I, I guess take care is really the wrong word. Um, what they do is provide a place where people with different abilities can flourish. Uh, they get to pick what they want to do in their life, just like you and me. And Albert Taylor makes sure that they know what that is. And our other sponsor tonight is Montana Oral Surgery and Dental Implant Center right here in Helena, Montana, where they do all kinds of extractions and all the things you don't want to think about, but they will put you under. <laughs> That's my kind of place to go. I don't want to remember. I don't want to know. Just put me under and take care of my knees. And we'll have a little message from them coming up a little bit later in the show. Now, let me find out and see. I want to see if I can. Nope, it won't let me put anything in there. So let me bring my guest on here. Here's Rob Crater. Here you go. Hey, Rob. Hey, how's it going? 
Man, I am so glad you contacted me. I, you know, this is the kind of thing I would like to do all the time. It's just interesting people, especially you, because I don't really know your story. I know, I know enough to get me in trouble, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> with with various law enforcement agencies in the states. <laughs> well, well, that's part of my story. So. <laughs> I know that's what I mean. <laughs> but when we met, it was like um, I was just talking to you, and I'm going. So Victor, because Victor, Idaho, how many people live there? Oh my God, like it's a, it's really small. I can't even give you a number, but um, you were the you only know, black man in town. The only black man in Victor in Victor, Idaho. Yes. <laughs> and now you're in Arkansas. Are you a little more? Uh, no, actually, I'm in Alabama now. Okay, so Alabama, you got a little more of your people around. Oh yeah, plenty. Of <laughs> so tell but it was still it was still interesting living living in Victor, Idaho. I didn't feel any type of way about it. I went about my business. I noticed it, of course, but I felt uh, actually great and um, really welcome there, to be honest. With you. Yeah, I remember asking you, how was that like? And you said, you know, you kind of felt like as a black man, you could really show people um, a kind, you know what I mean? Here's a whole bunch of white people and yeah. you can either be the black asshole or you can be the black nice guy. Exactly. And, and you chose to be the black, which I think we all should remember, no matter what color our skin is, when we Absolutely. go someplace, we are representing um, a, a group of people and how we do that is important. Hey, so, interesting tidbit while we're on that. It's, okay. It, it flows right into this. Okay. You know, I'm driving my Subaru. Everybody, uh, almost half of the town has a Subaru, but I'm driving my Subaru down the main road, main street right there, where the bar was just off, off uh, of. Uh -huh. And there was a um, a rally of some sort or, you know, activism on, say, Black, you know, Black Lives Matter. Okay. With a bunch of white people holding signs <laughs> <laughs> on the corner by the market right there, by Victor Market. And so I go driving down the street. I was I live just like a block away, and I'm trying. You know, you try to read the signs, and I'm looking at the sign, and everybody was shouting at first, and then when they saw me, they did like this. <laughs> <laughs> they froze, like, "Oh, there's there's one of the people we're advocating for right now." <laughs> Probably it was more like this, Rob. Wait. That's that's one of the black people, right? <laughs> was, hey, look, I mean this. I mean the crowd just stopped, man. It was so funny, and I just waved at them, and they were like, "Ah." How does that? How do you feel about that? It, with, with when you know, I, I know when I was in Eugene, Oregon. Um, you know, we have a, a larger black community than Victor, but per capita, probably not really. And Absolutely. sometimes some of my black friends said, you know, it was like. You know, we got all the white people. We we love the support of them supporting us, but it's like um, maybe we should be out front a little more, or or help us, and then get the hell out of the way. <laughs> well, um, I got to say, okay, I don't totally agree with the Black Lives Matter movement. That's just personal. To okay, me, you know what I mean. I, okay, and I'll, I'll I mean I'll give reasons why. I believe that. Um, all lives matter, but I do understand where they're coming from as far as Black Lives Matter, okay? And I have right. to say that, and I agree with the reasoning behind it, but I didn't agree with their method, you know, methodology sometimes. Right. So to speak. Okay. It became, so it became I, you, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you finish. 
So, so you agree with the idea that, you know, black lives, we need to, we need to pay attention to, to, to all colored pe uh, people. Um, and, 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 and it's not a bad thing to be pushing, you know, the, the black lives matter in terms of black lives that matter, but it became to me. And I think you're saying the same thing. It became, well, why, so what then white lives don't matter. And they'd say, no, you can't say that. Well, I actually can. Cause I, I get to speak my, my language too. And so then you're pitting us against each other again. So, it, so it's the it's the it's the methodology, like I'm saying behind it. Um, black do matter; they matter just as well as anybody else's. But what they were trying to the, um, the, the I've heard many of the advocates and many of the people from the organization say that black lives matter, we're not saying that other lives don't matter. We're just saying we matter in a sense of we're not getting the attention that we deserve in certain instances. So that being said, I just didn't agree with some of the way protests were, um, because if you look at the activists of old, Martin Luther, you know what I mean, being the top to me, he did things in a nonviolent, a non-aggressive way. And so I just felt like there was so much aggression. And I believe that aggression sometimes <laughs> expect, you know what I'm saying? Except, you know, gets aggression, aggressive or gets aggressiveness. Right. Um, I mean, it, if you, you know, that's the only thing that I didn't agree with because I, um, it's just a, a turn of events for my own life and how I, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Because we talked a little bit about that on our so, we, so we met. But, let's yeah. let's go there. Let's go there now. I want to go back. So go back. What ha, what happened to you as a kid? Okay, um, I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, um, my mom and dad divorced when I was one, and my mom. I was with my mom the whole time up until about fourteen. And then I moved with my dad. So I was with a single mom in the projects, Henry Horner projects, Chicago, Illinois, West Side, West Side of Chicago. So in Parvis, you know, low income housing, you know, the projects, that's what we called it. It was the, it was the, it was the hood, as we say. And so growing up, um, going to school, um, just at home, I was exposed to so much violence and decay and, uh, you know, um, violence and just drugs. I was exposed to these things early on in my life. Um, looking at the, the drug dealers, prostitutes, I've seen it all. And that was from my early youth into my pre, you know, into my teenage years. And so being exposed and, um, or being in that kind of environment, changes your perspective, you know, a lot. You don't know if you're not seeing anything else. Now, I got to give kudos to mom. She did a wonderful job. She was one of the first in, uh, in, our, in her family of girls uh, to go to college. Wow. She exposed us to all kinds of culture. Um, she, was a, she was a secretary. And uh, she actually worked for an African guy from, from Ghana. And he used to expose her to all kinds of culture. Anytime she was exposed to it, she would bring it to us. 
And so I know a lot about a lot of things around the world. And my mom also taught us that no matter what, um, you are no different than anybody else. You know, she, she spoke into our lives, great things. Did that, that, how did that say, how do you think in the end that saved you or got um, you to where you are? You know what I mean? How that, was that like a, a ba- like a covering or something? Do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Now, now, now I strayed there, but there's a, there's a, there's a scripture that's kind of true. That's in the Bible, in the, in the, in the Bible that says, if you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now I departed for a while, but I end up going, you know, remembering these things and going back to what mom taught me about myself and re, you know, saying reliving the, the truths of who I am. Okay, hold on. We're going to go right there after I'm going to show something and then let's go there. Okay. Okay. All right. Hang on just a second here. I'm going to pull this up. So within our scope of practice are going to be extractions, dental implants, helping patients prepare for dentures or partials. We're essentially that last stop um, when a tooth is no longer viable and can't be retained and needs to be replaced. So why do they need to go see an oral surgeon? Usually it's because their medical history uh, or the the technical nature of extracting that particular tooth because your teeth have different shapes and anatomy depending on um, you know, where they are in the mouth and what their function is. And if it's a really complicated extraction or if the patient has a really complicated medical history that needs um, a medical expertise, the surgeons that we have, that they have that additional training in residency. Yes, and that's actually, that's another reason that people will find themselves in oral surgery practice is that one of the things that's unique about us is that we do sedation, um, sedation care for most of our patients. So a lot of our patients, either the complexities of their treatment is, is gonna be the sort of thing that you don't wanna, you don't wanna experience and remember, or they're really anxious and they, again, don't wanna remember the experience. So there are a lot of people, I think, coming out of COVID who really put on the back burner some areas of their medical or dental health. And so we've had a lot of patients who need our services. And Montana Oral Surgery, they have offices in Helena and Great Falls, Bozeman, and also Butte, Montana. Rob Crater is our guest tonight. Um, uh, a mystery man I met a couple of years ago in Victor, uh, Idaho, and um, we have not talked since. Uh, but contacted me the other day and I'm like, oh, this is the kind of conversation I want to have. So so we, we've already gone through, you know, kind of the beginning parts. People can go back if they're just tuning in. So when yeah. did you become a bad man? <laughs> oh, my God. Tell me the details of your, your yeah, being, horror you know, story. Just, just being in that environment, you know, you uh, your peers and everything start doing things and you just start straying away from those values. Mom whooped my butt still. It didn't change that, but once I got old enough to just, I'm the only boy. And so- How many sisters three, did you have? Three sisters. So did I. I got three sisters and me. So you were a spoiled brat with your mom, weren't you? Yes, I was. Uh, but at the same time, I had a little bit more leeway than the girls. Me, me too, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, running out there in the streets and uh, getting you know exposure to certain things, it just started to uh, take on a little of the criminal life, you know? And um, took that all in. And so I started hustling early on. Um, I was a lookout kid for drug dealers on the block. I got wow. paid $50 a week. And that's big money for a little boy. You know that. How old were you? I was 10 years old wow. when I started doing that. Yep. And um, up from there, you already know, I'm like, I, this is little money. Started getting older, seeing things that my 
sisters needed, I needed, and started serving, you know, started actually selling drugs. And and so um, truth be told, though, I only caught one drug case in my entire life, though. Really? And that was it was late, yeah, it was later on in life. Um I also was privy to a lot of violent things because I got involved with the gangs of Chicago. Um need not say what, what gang it was, but um they're that they're, they're plentiful, <laughs> let me put it right. that way. Yeah, but I was a part of a, a organization that was like very small. I like that aspect of big small but tough and didn't take nobody's stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, so what did, that, what did that give? What did that give you as a kid without a father um, and male representation in your family? What what did that give you? Yeah. So the the psychology of it all, if you really look at it, this is how uh, it played out because it wasn't all bad. I have to tell you that it wasn't all bad. The gangs are not all bad. When I started out, I'm 48 years old, and so when I started out they were doing some productive things in the community. Oh, I remember us buying backpacks and school supplies for kids going back to school. As a gang. I re- the gang. I People remember us- talk about that. Exactly. I remember us putting the entire bill for um, concerts thrown in the back of the projects and giveaway of shoe, uh, 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 gym shoes. For anybody who who would who needed it, see, and that's how it started out as an organization. But we did still have our bad side, you know that. Right. We sold drugs. We we inflicted violence. We did all of those things. But, but I remember the, the early days of seeing this, and how I, I I thought it was so commendable. You know what I mean? Commendable. Right. Well, there was a there was a serving of the community. There. It still was a serving of the community, and an attitude of somewhat what the Black Panther Party had um, as a motto to take care of our own community. So how did that fill the void for your dad then, for you? Well, still was, you know, still was in contact with dad. And, but at the same time, not enough, you know, I was here all the time. How did you feel? How did you feel about yourself? Right. And I, I felt like, man, here's somebody that's paying attention to me. Here's some people that's saying that I can do this and do that. Here's some people that's saying uh, put you know pouring into my brain that I am strong, that I am you know that I am I am worthy, and and so the psychology of it is that, and and then the thing is you realize later on that people who have um, who have been exposed to the same thing it's it's a continual cycle, they're just feeding you what they learn, and they don't know better either until they know better. Right. So when you look at what's going on in Chicago right now, since you're from there, and the, wow, you know, it's, the, it's, man, the murder. It, 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 yes, and, it's sad. It saddens me. Um, and by me still, a lot of my family, most of my family still lives in Chicago. So I go back often um, and I, I see these these things going on and how violent it is. I believe that this is much deeper ingrained uh, with some hist- historical things. I believe that there's some messages being sent. I, 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 people have to be held accountable. Don't get me wrong, Reed Dancer. Uh, but uh, I believe that the psych- psychological effects of no of the broken down households and the, 
the, you know, the, the family dynamic has really played a part in what's going on right now today. Has it caught up with it? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's I what think- I mean. It was, it started in, you know, a, a couple of generations before me, but now it has spiraled into something, a whole new monster. I was listening to a podcast of Jordan Peterson the other day, and he was talking about not not black and white, just all people that yeah. that that the the breakdown of the family and not having a mom and dad, and and you know because a boy wants a father, you I mean that whole thing. He said, and 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 two women can do that, two men can do that. He was just saying though that you that that breakdown has really shown is really showing up in our culture right now, and. Yes. And that's what you're saying is you're seeing that. Absolutely. The, de- the deterioration of it all is it's, it's, it's actually rearing its head in a more profound way than ever, we've ever seen in history. So what did you, uh, how did you get out? I mean, well, how did you figure out that this was going to be something different? You know what I mean? You were going to not be that guy. Well, like I said, I, um, upon my last incarceration, it was the last one was seven years. Had you a lot of time to- you were in jail yeah. for seven years. Yeah, to prison for seven years. Had a lot of time to think about some things. Uh, had a lot of time to process some some thoughts and some some um, ideological things that I had within me or stereotypes, you know, that I had. And one of the things that also helped me, I attended. I was part of a, a pilot program. Okay where I went to seminary school and earned 20 hours towards a master's degree in divinity. And so I had some great mentors and great teachers. And one of the most profound things that one of my mentors and teachers taught me was about metacognition. What? Okay. Explain. Metacognition is basically thinking about what you're thinking about. When you have a thought initially, take a pause and ask yourself, why did I have that thought? Where is that? Does that thought stem from prejudices of my own? Does it stem from, you know, where does it come from? Take a moment to feel, to think about what you're thinking about. So what what was an, what what was an ideological, ideological thing, idea that you had in your head that was all, I was going to say fucked up, but all wrong. Oh yeah. 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 That was totally. What's one? What's one? I'll tell you the top one. <laughs> okay, that's the one I want to know. Yeah, the top one was that um, you'll always be looked at as a nigger or ignorant or, you know, um, by white people, by uh, by your own people. Yeah, by my you own thought, people. So you thought that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was, be- that was because of the, the bad things that I had done. Just because you do bad things doesn't make you a bad person. Right. You can always change the person that you are. You cannot change the things that you have done, but you can forgive yourself and do better things and become a better person. Because your mama always told you you were good, not maybe not good behavior. Exactly. So basically, I went back to her teaching. It got away from me for a while because of all of the things that I had that I was seeing that I was experiencing that that was happening around me, the violence, the the people being hurt. And it's just like, man, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. So I need to get tough and I need to, you know what I'm saying? I need to, I need to be ready for this stuff. Did you ever, is your mother still alive? She is. So have you ever gone back and said something? Did you, what did you say to her? 
Absolutely. So during my that seven year incarceration, one of the things that I had, my mom became an alcoholic later in life and I was upset with her as well. And so one of the things I had to do was go to my mom and tell her how I felt about her and everything that we went through as part of her, her addiction. And I forgave her and I told her that you taught us everything that we needed when we were kids and that you were a great mother, irregardless of your, your, you know, your struggles. You were a great mom, one of the best moms in the entire world. And I, I had to tell her that, man, this is what I thought. This is why I acted out. And I love you, forgive you. And you are my girl to the, you are my girl to the day we die. And we are best friends. You know, I, I had to do that in therapy with, over, you know, dad issues. And my yeah. dad was around, but not around. You know what I mean? He was yeah. physically there, but not, you know, I needed something a little more than that. And, yeah. um, and, and through that therapy, I learned, you know, if, if for some reason, God knew that he would be the best dad for me. Now, did he do everything right? No, Absolutely. he did the best that he could. But for some reason, he was the best. Because if God's going to pick somebody to be your mama or my dad or my mom, he's going to pick the absolute best person. Now, that doesn't mean these people live up to the standard because they're Absolutely. human and we all have our, our shit, you know, yeah. but it, it kind of made it a little better. You know, I mean, because I went, well, OK, so what do I take from that? What do I how am I like him? What did I learn from him? That's positive, you know, and my dad was a speech teacher and I never took a speech class in high school um, and only took one in college when I had to because I needed a credit. And yeah. and I discovered that that's what I love doing is being and I was on TV. So it's like all yeah. kind of by accident, but hereditarily or genetically or something, I yeah. picked that stuff up from him, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. And that's my mom. Um, super smart, super articulate. I mean, creative prop. Yeah. Okay. So I got one more, one more uh, advertiser I want to hear. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about faith. Okay. Absolutely. Because I know you've got some stuff there. And like I said, you guys, this is Rob and I had a 15 minute conversation in Victor, Idaho. Um, this is all a new friendship starting right here. And we're going to see what happens here. But this is the kind of conversation we should all be having. So hold on just a second here. What do you hope for Alfred Taylor? I want to see it continue to grow. I want to see it be more involved in the community now that COVID's kind of, you know, dying down to help with those educational moments for people. I just, I want to see Alfred Taylor continue to do what it's doing. And that is to be person-centered and to be here for the people that we support. I think if we had, if we picked out a different topic and just built a little, just an interview, and even if you had a client with you and we picked out one topic, like don't bend down when you see someone, have somebody in a wheelchair, explain that. We make a one minute to one in a 30 or something and we throw that out there. Uh, that would be such a, a, I think there'd be a lot of people going, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Absolutely. I can honestly think of a couple of people who probably would enjoy doing a quick interview to talk about that because they experience it. So do you think now post COVID that people with different abilities might be our way back to sanity or acceptance or caring about one another, um, getting past the division 
because I do. People, people with different abilities don't really understand divisiveness, do they? Oh, no, <laughs> not at all. And I do. I think that they have a lot more to offer than they're given credit for. Isn't that awesome, Rob? Absolutely. You yeah. saw me. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I thought you going, yeah, because you know what? There's just so many. It's just like it's just like white people and black people. Yeah, you know, you don't see the difference when you when you fall in love with people or know who they are, and Absolutely. it doesn't have to be <clears throat> the way it is. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is your hope between the? You know, the, I I, th I feel like this is just my thing, and you can correct me or whatever. But I feel like sometimes that that that, that a lot of my friends who are black they never put white privilege shit on me. It's white people who tell me I have white privilege. I've never had a black person tell me that I have white privilege. I have a black friend that told me, next time a white person tells you you have white privilege, ask them what it is, because they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Right. Well, you got some cool friends, man. I put it that way, man, because you will get that from some black people too. I have, I've heard it, you know? Right. And, um, one of the things I, I try to keep in my life and in my head is people are people. People are people. And I try not to put any judgment on them, especially not because of their skin tone. But I want to I want to I want to judge you by the fruit that you bear. I want to judge you on how you treat me. And how, you know what I mean? And I, and, I, and I keep it at a person to person basis. It has nothing to do with color. If you're ignorant, you're ignorant, no matter what color you are. Right, right. <laughs> so, do you, how do you, like when you're in Victor, um, Idaho, and you're the only black guy in a, in a town of, you know, I don't know, five, six hundred people. Who knows? Yeah, we don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe um, a little bit more. Did, yeah. did you kind of see that as like, you know what? I can, I can come in here and just be like a really good guy to people and, and maybe change if there are some people with a racist attitude that they could actually, you know, you, I mean, I mean, what a rare opportunity as one guy, you know what yes. I mean? You could look at that two ways. You could look at it like what? I'm the only black guy in this whole town. Everybody's going to be mean to me. Or I could go in and say, how do I bless these people with this, uh, you know, dark guy rocking around their town? Hey, one of the, one of my um, consistent prayers over the last <laughs> 15, 20 years has been, Lord, help me to be a blessing to somebody else in some way, shape, form, or fashion, with a smile, with a kind word, with anything. Just help me to be a blessing today. So that's my prayer. And that's been my prayer for the last 20 years. So how long have you been out of jail? Well, last 15 years. <laughs> well, no, well, you, I mean, were playing, I, I, well, you were playing a lot of things when you were in jail. Exactly. I was playing a lot of things in, in jail, but <laughs> I, even even while I was incarcerated, yeah. Uh, so I've been out um, 15. And what was your, what is your job now? And what was your job when we met? Because weren't you like- Oh, same, I'm doing the same thing still. Maintenance manager, engineering. Yeah. So- Tell me about your beliefs. What do you, you know, there's a, a great PBS series. I'm not a huge fan of PBS, but there's a great PBS series that they used to do called I Believe. And they would ask people what is, you know, like one of my favorite ones, Rob, was they had this girl and she says, I believe that weddings are um, optional, but funerals are mandatory. Wow. And, and she learned when she was 10 years old, her teacher died. Yeah. And her parents didn't know the teacher 
and they thought it would be good to take the kid, um, the little girl, to the, to the funeral and just let her off and say, we'll be out here, but you go in by yourself because this is your teacher. So she went into that funeral and yeah. everybody else was there. She was the only class kid in, from the school. Wow. And she said, everybody just looked at her. And then afterwards, every family member walked up to her and said, thank you for being here. Wow. And she says, so I learned that day that funerals are mandatory because Absolutely. you remember yes. that people cared about someone that you loved. Yes. yes. So, so what do you believe? What do I believe? Man, I believe that we are beautiful people all just waiting to come out no matter what bad we've done no matter what our lives brought you know what i mean uh -huh. to us i think that we're all in internally we all possess a beauty from the creator that's a part of who he is because he that's how he made us do you think like it's a little deposit of him in us and maybe I, the maybe the thing in life that we're supposed to do rob is if you give every person you run into a chance, you'll find when the time, I really do believe this, exactly. by the time you, when, when you die, you go to heaven or whatever it is, but let's just yeah, say, right. you know, I, wherever don't think, you I don't think it's a, I think we come back here and we, God's going to deal with us up back on the, <laughs> he created a beautiful planet. Why would he waste it? You know? Right, and, right, right. But anyway, let's say we come back here and, and God stands before you. And part of the uh -huh. judgment thing is, um, yeah. Rick, do you see all those people out there? You, you're you were one little piece of me and so are all of them i believe and, that and every person you meet you're going to find out a little bit more of me so so the more people you meet if you then see god's face you're going to go oh, there's rob oh my god it wasn't a mistake that i was at that little bar sitting outside under the tetons there was something happening here that Absolutely. god wanted to go this is an important, and I don't think anything we do is not important. I don't think there's Absolutely. this little bullshit that happens. I yeah. think it's, these are moments in time that are all weaving this tapestry yes. that when we're, we're done and like you reaching out to me, I mean, I can honestly say this. I have this love for you and I'm going, there's something, this, this guy and me, there's something here. And I, that's right. That's the same way I feel because I thought of you and I got excited to, to actually look for your number because that moment that we had, let me tell you something about great friends too. They cannot, they can, they cannot talk for 10, 20 years. And when they do again, it's like they never left each other. Right. It's like they never lost connection. And that's because of the spirit that's in you that you choose to go after and be a part of this fabric is what you're what you mean to be a part of that fabric. Right. And you can you can choose not to by doing something totally opposite. And I, I, you couldn't, I couldn't have put it to, together better myself the way you said it. I agree with you totally. And when I, I saw you that. singing that song, and I just, it was like, it, it was like God just reaching out and just going because here it is. It's, it's an old, um, it's an old black spiritual, right? Well, I mean, it was, it was Sam Cooke. It's, it, it's, it's um, born by the river. I mean, it's an old black song. I mean, it's an old song that everybody knows. Right. It's, it's, it's been in so many movies. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a black staple. Let me put it that way. It, right. And he, but, it was but, to, but to see you sitting there and this yeah. audience, because the band obviously knew that you, you could do this right. and then they start playing the song and you just start going into it. And everybody in that audience, I think was touched because it was, you know, first 
you know, you're, you got our, you got our attention cause you're yeah. black and you're the guy in, in Victor, Idaho, yeah. but then right. it was really beautiful. Um, yeah. you know, what, would you do it for, would you just sing it for a, l- a little bit of it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was born by the river in a little tent and oh, like the river ride been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it is. It's been too hard living. But I'm afraid to die Cause I don't know what's beyond the sky It's been a long, long time coming But I know a change gonna come And you believe that, don't you? I absolutely do <laughs> you, you live it Try to so don't you think there's something in those words for right now? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many people, like everything is so divided. There's, you know, it's, it's just like the whole world feels like it's just so upside down. So I've been told, I've been told that I am, um, I am, <laughs> I am so optimistic that I am uh, annoyingly optimistic. <laughs> I, I've heard this. I've heard this before. <laughs> and so what I believe is optimism and hope, they do go in the same direction, but hope is something much greater and much bigger. And okay, so, so that, how, explain that, explain that. What I'm saying is I have a lot of hope in my heart for the people around me, the people that I come in contact with. I have a lot of hope in this life that that change will be evident in my lifetime. You know what I mean? That the, the hope, that things will be much better than they are. So yeah, you can be optimistic about some things, but mine is is deeper. I think hope goes deeper. So so where is your hope? Who who is your hope in? My my hope is in humanity to be better, to treat each other better, to do better with our families, to, to bring the family you know the family dynamic back together, and that's my hope. Uh, you know that that. And, and of course, for my own family, you know, my children, my, my, my grandchildren, my hope is that the, the next couple of generations will learn something and bring it all together and, and, and you know, to a new harmony. Do you ever do you ever think that because I kind of see God like this, like like he's standing there going to me, you know, yeah. saying to me, hold on, hold on. Wait, it's the good. The good thing is right I know yes. this is horrible, Rick. I know it. And, yeah. you know, and I know you're yeah. having a hard time because I'm just like, I, I'm like a very emotional, I, yeah. I feed off, very spiritual, I feed off of emotion stuff. You're, a a, you're an empath. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, to me, I feel the pain. I think that's why I was always good at my job because I can feel people's pain. I can feel their joy. I can feel where they, yeah. I can, I, I, it's like, it's like God's whispering in my ear and going, say this yes say something just just yeah. go, go acknowledge them for that like with yeah. you sitting there is to yeah. go and then my wife goes well, what are you doing I, said, I i'm gonna go shoot this and then when i got up there i had to say something to you yeah. because i think that's just the way that he ta- that he talks to me 
But I feel like it's the, the way the culture's going right now. God's just going, you guys have been apathetic. You've been lazy. Yeah. You've been, you're full of yourself. You have way too much. Yeah. And I'm just going to narrow this down so we can get the focus back gotcha. on yeah. Rick and Rob. That's yeah. what's important at this moment. And then yeah. any viewers that are watching, they're going to feed off of that as well. But this is about you and me having a conversation. Absolutely. Everything else is, is out of the picture. So yes. then through that, he can do what he wants to do. He will. And he will. That's right. I so agree. What, what, do you, what do you believe about God to be true? Okay. I believe, um, I believe like you, first, what, what you said before, I believe that we're all a little piece of God. Okay. And I believe that some of his characteristics of who he is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of shine through who we are, you right. know, at, 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 with anger, with, with love and everything. I really believe that. I believe that God gets angry just like we do. Uh -huh. I believe that he gets disappointed just like we do, you know, and I believe he loves fully like some of us do <laughs> or, have, or learning to do. Right. Or you know what I mean? If you, if to, like to love fully, wouldn't you? It, I, I, for me, it's that there's an ego thing that gets in the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it is. It's the yeah. ego in the way. Yeah. I have to, cause you, if you're going to love somebody fully, you have to let down um, any idea that I'm right, you're wrong or yeah. anything like that. You know what I mean? I see, yeah, even with I like your wife and stuff, even yeah. like that is like, you know, you're angry and you go, God, I love her, but I just want to tell her to stop that. And so it's, but it's getting away from that. I read a really good yeah. book by a Hebrew pastor, a rabbi, yeah. and he was talking about a happy home. You, you suck it up. And here it was, it was like one of the most helpful books I've ever read. And, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things. And, and it's, it's one of those things that God is teaching us within, a, within our everyday walk is that um, selfishness is the kind of, yeah. You know, is is the tell all of all of most problems is selfishness. Right. It's, it's not wanting to get away from our us being right or wrong or anything in that you know in that aspect. And it's just about sitting back and just understanding. Uh, one of the proverbs that I love is that um, in Proverbs it says, "A man of understanding is of a calm spirit." So I I I, I try to yeah. when I get anxious or start losing my calm. I'm like, where, where's my understanding? Where, you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. You know, let's, let's pull this back a little bit and see what's happening here. So what, what do you tell your kids? Like, what would you, how many kids do you have? Um, Bobby, uh, Ashley, Billy, Bobby, and Shane, four. So what do you tell them? Like, like if you had, you know, a piece of advice or something, what would you offer? What would you, what would be the most important piece of advice that you would offer? And I know each kid is different, but I'm just I saying like, say, Rick, you know, I've given them all kinds of advice. They're not listening to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, they're, but they're not here. This isn't about them. It's, I know my kids, you know, I think, okay, let me give you an example. Like for okay. mine, I remember what, what, I guess here's the thing I want for them the most. Okay. Is kindness. Um, to understand kindness. So, yeah. you, you, you know, you can do all kinds of other things, but my boys are both very, very kind men. Not, okay. not nice. I don't give a shit if they're nice guys. Exactly. I want right. them to be badasses. Exactly. And I want, them to, I want them to fight for people and for that's that. Right. But that's part of being kind. When you have a kindness, it's like that verse you just read, that proverb. If you can be kind and soft yeah. to, to the 
to the human. You can that, that is a foundation that can make you stronger and more way, powerful I, exactly. than anything. Because you're, I mean, that's how I am. I'm a protector. You know what I mean? I'm a protector of your rights. Of if I see, I'm the bully's bully. I'll tell you that, Rick. Yeah, I was, this is where you and I like each other because I, if you, I was bullied to death as a kid. Yeah. And so my whole thing in life is to give people a voice exactly. no matter what I think. And that's because I never had one as a kid. Nobody yeah. listened to me. Yeah. And I know how that feels. And to see someone not like that's why I'm really big on, on people with different abilities to see yeah. people ignored simply because they're in a wheelchair. It makes me so freaking mad. Exactly. Yeah. And that is unacceptable because there so are human I, I knew I knew that was in me from my youth still, even though, like I told you, I've done a lot of bad things, but that's been in me. And that's that God part that's been in me and, and what my mom instilled in me. I was I, I couldn't stand to see somebody being mistreated. You know what I mean? I would I would come I would come to the rescue. Right. OK, do you did it to him. Do it to me. Let me see you do it to me. Right. You know? And uh, that was me for a long time. But now I've learned to tweak that and be, you know, they got to be, yeah. be OK. Yeah. As we get older, we kind of have to mellow yeah. those things out. Although I'll tell you, now I'm 63. You get to this other end, like over your 60s and stuff. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden there's it's kind of like that thing when I used to see old dudes and they'd say whatever they wanted. And I'd go. You know, you're like a crusty old man, but I want, I can't wait to be that. And now I'm yeah. kind of starting to enjoy yeah. that part where people go, you know, Rick Dancer, you did this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, shut the hell up. Right. I don't care. You know, <laughs> like, it's none of my business what other people think of me. Exactly. I, I just, it's I, it's not my problem. You're you don't right. have That's to like, <laughs> my, I had a business coach and she says, Rick, honestly, you know, you're just not everybody's cup of tea. And I'm going, I I'm okay with that. Yeah, cool. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I know absolutely. who I am. And, it, and how important is that, do you think, for your kids to find, to really understand who, who they, they are? are. Yes. And, uh, and that, you know, that's the journey that, um, you know, got young adults now, you know what I mean? And that's the journey that they're on, you know. Um, um, some of them, um, particularly, I won't just, you know, a couple of them, like, kind of getting to that place where, phew, I know who I am, <laughs> you know. And still don't know. <laughs> like, no, you know, <laughs> but at least at least they're projecting that confidence within themselves right. because I, I think truly that it helps them get there too. Yeah. Um, you know, in, 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 you know, in some sort of way they're finding themselves and they're getting to know their likes, dislikes, what they will tolerate within. And they had me, of course, as an example, a lot of times your parents are your example, you know, of what, it is that you just won't tolerate, you know? Right. And that's what one of my seminary teachers told me. And that changed my life as well. It's just like you sit down at a table, Rick, to eat with somebody. There's certain foods that you are allergic to. There's certain stuff that you just don't eat. So take it off the table. It's off the table of life. And I tell my kids this, that ain't you. It ain't a part of who you are. Take it off of the table. You don't, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not, it's not part of your, it's not part of your meal. Right. It's hard when our kids too, when they, um, you know, when they have habits or, 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 you know, when they don't, when they don't see clearly, you know, it, the only thing stopping you from doing this is you. Is you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but, you know, but I, but I think it's fun. That's what I do love about being oh my a, a dad is I yeah. can stand back and I, and my wife talks to the, the, my younger son all the time. I kind of get called in when it's like a serious thing. Like uh, yeah. the girlfriend's not happy or this is going yeah. on. And then yeah. dad gets called in, but it's like, I think that's okay. And I've kind of learned that, 
you know, that, that they're, you know, despite what culture wants to think, there's a difference between men and women. Um, Absolutely. And there's an anatom anatomy, anatomy and there's chemistry mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and then there's just emotional and, and places for men and places for women to yes. be involved in all this stuff. And I man. think. And I, I mean, I, you're a man after my own heart. I totally agree with you. And that's, you know, um, that's my, my eldest daughter, Ashley, um, she, she's exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? She, what you said previously about, she just, you know what I'm saying? is just all over the place sometimes. And, and, right. but, and then I try to give her advice about the guy part in her relationships. I'm like, Hey, you know, real dude won't do this. You know what I mean? Right. You know? right. <laughs> well, you know, on the, we were talking earlier and I, I think I have this, uh, this couple that's a friend of mine and they're lesbians and they have two, two little boys and one of the one of the women, their real dear friends, had both of the boys. It was you know a sperm donor, and they had the, the both the children through the yeah. same father. And um, they are the best parents because what I love what they've done is I'm always seeing pictures of their boys. Um, they have guys that they go out look for who are teaching them how to fish, who are teaching them how to ride horses, it who are doing all this man stuff. To raise a and man. not that they can't do that, but they're they, they're including men in their lives because they know that that's a part. Just like if there was two mm -hmm. dudes, you you'd want to find a, a woman right. to yeah. give that other because you can't be, be a friend, woman. Befriend some good women. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think there's ways of doing with our culture we have today of doing all of this. Yes, but it's I just agree. it's been going to a point where going, no, there are differences between people, yes. um, you know, and there's differences between you from your skin color to my skin color. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it has to be an obstacle. It's a difference. Absolutely. I you know, agree. I mean, Absolutely. my hair is gray. Yours is black. I do want to address your eyes though, because people are. I'm, by this time, I didn't want oh, to bring yeah. it up. There. I know they're probably going to bring it up. Like, yeah. Rob, Rob is um, in his lineage. Uh, he has Australian Shepherd in his in his, in his lineage. <laughs> you have a blue eye and a brown eye. Yes. And I so lost this eye to trauma in the streets of Chicago. I was hit across the eye with a table leg. Some guys Sweet. trying to rob me. Now, my mom and dad swear, you know, because of my history, that it was something I had did. But I promise you, <laughs> it was a, a random occurrence, robbery on the south side of Chicago. Guys tried to rob me. Whack, got whacked. And they weren't expecting this, okay? I, you already know, I caught myself and I gave a haymaker that knocked them like five feet. And then I took <laughs> off because it was more than one. You get it? Yeah. Okay. I, I was running like, I don't hear anything. So there was nobody chasing me. I lost this eye due to some nonsense violence of Chicago. So what do they, can they tell you like chemistry wise, what turned the, was it always blue or it turned blue when you lost? Oh no, it turned blue during the, the, um, um, the, it's dying basically. That's what the doctor, ah. yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you know, what do you call it? Atrophying or whatever. Oh, atrophy. That's yeah. Okay. Atrophy. So That's... basically the eye doctor told me, she was like, um, she told me it was still Brown, you know? And she was like, well, that, just to let you know that eye is going to continue to lighten up, lighten up until it's completely white. That's what wow. she told me until it's huh. white. So, I mean, I guess I got a, a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have the option. Rob, let me tell you, um, I've gone completely white yeah. and it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I got you. That's because you see the yeah. world as black and white. 
So see, you'll you you you'll, you can use that for some of your your lines. So so what, I can use what it. Your, yeah. So what is the next thing for Rob? What's the wow, next? What's so, your dream? Um, what do you have? I've like, been, I've been, if, if, go ahead. In the near future, what I'm working, well, what I'm getting back to. Okay, so when I lived in Iowa, I was really a big part of like I used to run. I mean, I used to president of a a, re, a program called Inside Out. And what that was is a, 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 a program that helped ex-incarcerated individuals develop social skills, interviewing skills, um, give, you know, some uh, donations with, with uh, clothes and things like that. But basically to help them get reestablished and reintegrated into society. Wow. So um, coined a couple of phrases there. Not, you're no longer a ex-con or ex-convict. You're a returning citizen because they were part of I agree. Our, you know, community before they mm -hmm. left here, they're just returning into the community. And so I had a lot of things going on. I actually spoke at the Capitol Des Moines three or four times on mental illness and how that affect uh, the, affects the recidivism rate and, you know, in, incarceration. Um, so here in Alabama, I just made a connection with a guy who runs a, 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 a ministry here. And he wants me to be a part of it after we talked and, he, our, you know, and so I w I'm getting back into that, Rick, at some I, point. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, have, I have a lot of friends who are felons because I, I yeah. like people who are real and somebody who's been to jail is usually after they're out um, and, and doing well, they're, they're real because yeah. they know the world, you know, yeah. and I always have trouble with the whole thing where, you know, you're always a drug addict or you're always an alcoholic. Oh, totally. I think that's horseshit. No. Yeah. Because that's it's it. like, that's how it. can you, you're not an addict anymore. You're done. And then, yeah. so it's what, we have to keep people in that place of, of restriction where a label is going to attack you. It's like, yeah. no, if you reoffend or you, if you, if you fall off the wagon and yeah. then, okay, you do just like the rest of us doing other things. But for some reason, it's still okay. You know, I have felon friends who, because they took a leak in a park, yeah. they're now sex offenders. You told me about that. That just makes me absolutely yes. insane. Because I pee in the park all the time. And I would yes. never be considered a sex offender. You we know? talked about that. I forgot about that. Yes. So that's the other things that have to change is our attitude about people. You know, once they've served their time, then good God, let them out. Yes, it's sir. not like, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's like... I have a friend who's a, still listed as a sex offender. He's served his time and people still come at me and go, why is that guy doing this? Because yeah. he did this, this, and this. Well, wh what did you do in your past? And should we hold that against you for the rest of your fucking life? You know, yes, I mean, I, I actually, Rick, I had a, um, I had one of the, when I was incarcerated on this last bit, I'll never forget it. I had one of the guards. We had got kind of cool talking or whatever, you know, cause I saw him every day. Yeah. And he told me, he said, Rob, he said, man, you know what? You're an all right guy. This is what he tells me. I said, well, gee, thanks. Thanks for your approval. You know what I mean? We laugh and joke. And then he said, you know what? He said, no, for real, though. He said, there's no difference between you and I. Right. And I said, why, why would you say that? He said, he said, I just didn't get caught. I guarantee you. Yep. I just didn't get caught. Yep. And I had some people on my side that made some things go away. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the same thing. There's some of the stuff, some of the stuff I did as a kid, yeah. you know, that I didn't get caught for. It was just, but by the grace of God. So, you know, yeah. we all have our journey, yeah. Rob, 
I have to wrap it up because it has to be under an hour or I have to edit it to get it onto Instagram hey. and some other channels. Dude, man. I love you, man. I really do. Love you too, brother. And I think, you know, you really are. There is something special about you. And <laughs> I knew it that day. And I hope we keep in contact, okay? I'm going to try my hardest and I want you to, 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 we'll just text each other once in a while, see what's going on. And we'll catch up with you um, on here too, okay? You will do. Hey, thank you for reaching for out. me. Well, thanks for reaching out. I wouldn't have even remembered if you hadn't reached out. It yeah. must have been it must have been that little bit of God, you know. They were talking. I was to about each to other. say it was meant to be. It was meant to be, Rick. All right. Rob Crater, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate your time. God bless. All right, man. So there you go. Um, so that's why you just if you have a feeling or a sense that you're supposed to do something, go do it. I mean, I knew I was supposed to go take a video of him and I knew I was going to have a conversation with him. And that's a gift I have. I hear that little whisper and I know I didn't know this was going to happen because that's that I'm not supposed to know. That's that's a, that's the beauty of life is when things like this happen and you go, oh, this is a bigger game than I thought it was. But every single one of you in this audience could have that same thing happen if you start reaching beyond who you are, beyond what's comfortable, beyond what you think is right. And ask those questions of people. People want to be heard. So if you ask somebody a question and just say, what's your life about? What's your story? Where did you come from? What's the toughest thing you've ever done in your life? What's the hardest thing you deal with on a daily basis? What gnaws at you in the middle of the night and, and keeps you awake? Those kind of questions will give you deep and, and meaningful relationships with other people. And while the world is trying to divide us, we alone can start putting ourselves back together. And it starts with little moments like Robin Rick right there. Little things like that. This is what I, and somebody asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? First of all, I'm not sure I'm going to grow up, but if I do, this is what I want to do every single day. I would never tire of anything like that. And the only reason we can do this is because of our sponsors, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, Montana Oral Surgery and Dental Implant Center, Albert Taylor, um, and also uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. We can't do this without you guys. They're the funders. They're the people who pay so that I can do this with you. Uh, share this on your page because, as you know, Facebook doesn't like me. Um, I do get off Facebook live jail on Monday. Woo! So we'll see how long I can stay out of jail um, with that. I'm a repeat offender. <laughs> And I am a, I'm a sex offender, too, because what they pulled me off was, was a picture. They said I was being sexual, ex, sexually exploitive by putting Hunter Biden in a, a bikini bathing suit hanging onto balloons flying over Montana. <laughs> I've seen much worse, but now, I've got all the labels now. There you go. All right. Have a good day. Uh, we will see you next week. And I've got a whole lineup of really cool stories coming up for you next week as well. All right. See you later. Again, Rob, thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon.